Before we begin today's show, Scott's Turf Builder Thicker Lawn is your three-in-one solution to getting the perfect lawn that you've always wanted. Here's some breaking news for you. Scott's Turf Builder Thicker Lawn has announced that they have obtained the solution to getting a thick, lush green lawn in exchange for all your hard work. Pretty sweet deal for both sides. I think Kevin Pelton would give that an A. Scott's Turf Builder Thicker Lawn has everything you need to turn your lawn into the thick green paradise that you deserve. With its 3-in-1 solution, you can get up to a 50% thicker lawn with just one application. With Scott's Turf Builder Thicker Lawn, you can finally get the thickest, greenest lawn that you've always dreamed of. Get thicker quicker. This is a Scott's Yard. Grab a bag today. This is a Scott's Yard. This is a Scott's Yard. Also, Scott's No Quibble Money Back Guarantee says... If you're not satisfied, you get your money back. And one more thing before we begin. Over the coming weeks, we'll be talking more and more about actual basketball and some of the teams that will fare best on the Disney campus. There's still a lot of questions to be answered concerning the NBA's return and the pandemic's impact on the schedule. Mina Kimes asks our friend Zach Lowe these questions in Monday's episode of the ESPN Daily. So I suggest you check out ESPN Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. Joining us from the Fort Myers area of Florida, Naples, Fort Myers area. Sorry if I said Fort Myers and that brings you down, um, is Bobby Marks, our front office insider, who somehow is more invaluable to us when there is no basketball being played than he is um, when the league shut down, than even when he's, the league is operating. Hey, Bobby, hope you're doing well. Hey, Brian. How are you? And uh, no, you shouldn't be ashamed to say Fort Myers. That is where we do fly in and out of. And they they do have a great airport there. I'm so old, Bobby, that I remember the old Fort Myers airport, which was average, but not as good as the new one. Um, And joining us from Oklahoma City, or is it some municipality that's not actually Oklahoma City? I actually have an Oklahoma City address. I do live in like this weird pocket where I have a different school district, just different utilities, all that stuff. But I have an Oklahoma City address. Bob, let me tell you why Royce Young is particularly valuable. Uh, yeah, please tell me why am I valuable. <laughs> because he is a Disney aficionado. I mean, look, we're all Disney employees. Let's be clear. Um. But Royce, in particular, is a, is a Disney aficionado. I, I'm pretty sure within hours after he was hired at ESPN, <laughs> his wife was planning uh, their first Disney trip because of um, benefits that uh, are given to Disney employees. But this is particularly germane now, Royce, because the NBA is going to Disney World. Um, what do you know about – Disney World and the area where the players are going to be doing this that you can uh, illuminate for our listeners, many of whom themselves probably know a lot more than than I do. Yeah, well, I will say this, Brian, to start. One of the great moments in my professional career is when you you were planning a Disney World trip 
and I, I got to send you a list of Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I should. Yeah, maybe I should rephrase that. But our wives connected, and I got to send you a, a Disney tips list, which was a. Uh, it's like a top five things I've ever written in my life, yeah, which I forwarded to my wife. But okay, no, it's the happiest place on earth. Let's be clear. Yeah. Uh, happiest place to think about too. I uh, I do love Disney World. Uh, the Wild World of Sports Complex is like. The, it, I think people might have a concept of it that it's like. Um, kind of like a single building or something and it's definitely not it's like uh it's you know i'm i'm sure you know bobby's been there multiple times too and you know they, they host college basketball but you've people have watched uh, college games being played at that wide world of sports complex uh my beloved oklahoma sooners have played in it a number of uh, of years trey young played in it uh, a couple years ago even so um it's kind of in an area like the interesting thing about disney um, if you've been, is it's kind of like its own country, you know, like it, it has its own highway. It's like its own property, almost separate of Orlando. Like the, the NBA is going to Orlando, but they're really not. They're going to the city of Disney is where they're going because um, it's like its own self-contained place. And so uh, you can, you know, you might be on a different place on property, like wh- wherever the the teams may be, uh, but you're you're essentially within a 10 minute drive it really probably five minutes because they they won't be taking like monorails or buses I, I can't imagine that a team will be taking a monorail to a game or anything but um but uh, you know you you can get around the property pretty quickly even as sizable as it is bobby are you familiar have you been there to the uh wide world of sports complex you know what Brian, that's where they com- that's where pre-draft camp used to be back oh that's the, right uh, back that's in, right in uh that's where the legend of Russell Westbrook. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say discovered, but that's kind of where he like came on the radar. Interesting lottery top top ten lottery wise was at the, uh, the at the pre draft camp, and that's where it used to be. It, uh, Chicago took a hiatus for a little while, and uh, and pre draft camp went there. And I've actually even stayed at the hotel that the league is going to be using back in uh, back in December, and it is a uh, it's a beautiful hotel. Um, it's, uh, they just built a new tower. Um, but I was there for three days. <laughs> I was not there for three months or going to be there for three months. And I think that's a di- different, uh, that's a little bit of a, a different animal there, but yeah, I can concur with, with Royce, but that it, Disney in itself is, uh, it's its own little country there. So yeah, there, so there's three arenas there now. I think there's a, there's an arena that is pretty new. Which I think is just called the arena, which is the the largest venue, and then there's a mid sized venue, which is I think where you you two guys are familiar with, which is known as the HP Fieldhouse. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a smaller venue where they are going to play games um, for the first during the quote unquote seeding games. That's what they're calling seeding games. But uh, we talked about that the other day uh, on this pod. But um, here's what. Uh, Bobby, I'd be interested to see what you, you what you think about this. So in the next few days, I don't know. I mean, we're recording this Sunday night. I don't know if this is going to happen on Monday or if it's going to happen on Wednesday or if it's going to happen on Friday. But sometime in this next week, the NBA is going to issue to its teams um, what they what is being called the protocol. I don't know what sort of name they will actually give it. Um but for right now, we're calling it the protocol, and it is the rules of the road uh, for the Disney bubble. Um, and I was talking to a couple of general managers over the last three days, Bobby, and they were – first off, the teams 
Oh, I think even since Friday, there's been a little bit more learned. The teams don't seem to know that much about the rules. Um, unless people are keeping secret from me, but they're asking each other, like they're sort of crowdsourcing each other. Hey, what did you hear? What did you hear? Because they're not sure what the rules are going to be. And, and there's several different layers of rules here. Some of them are, we'll talk to Bobby about in a minute. Some of them are rules about what your rosters are going to be, what you can do with your actual team. Some of them are rules about preventing uh, and dealing with the virus itself, which is the point of all of this. And some of them are rules about just daily life within this structure, within this, uh, this bubble that they're, that they're building. And a couple of executives that I talked to were surprised that the players union Agreed and gave the, the, the approval vote uh, before they saw this protocol. Now, I think that they have been told the high points of it. There is an understanding that there's going to be daily tests, for example. Um, there's an understanding that families will not be there for until after the first round. It wasn't, they're not totally blind. But, Bobby, I feel like the devil is going to be in the details and this document, I am told by somebody at the league office that this document is going to be greater than 100 pages. Um, I don't know how long the CBA document is. It's long. <laughs> but we have people who specialize in breaking down every syllable of that document, and they take years to learn the parameters of it. Um, I don't know how that's going to be, but 100 pages, Bobby, I, I have no idea what the reaction is going to be when, when the players see the actual things that they're allowed and not allowed to do. Well, you're right, Brian, in the, the operations manual that they give out every year is about 650 pages. Uh, um, this is going to be uh, a, this is going to, and I actually have to study that every year just to kind of re familiarize myself with it. And the, uh, and the CBA in itself is like 700 pages. And, you know, I was, I had the opportunity of reading the, uh, when major league baseball sent out their, um, I, I guess I'm going to say transition rules or rules of protocol. I, I guess we can call it rules of protocol. And that in itself was 75 pages. And there was missing sections there because it was kind of they were still filling in the blanks. And that was comprehensive. And you're right. I, I heard the same thing that this is going to be more than 100 pages. And, you know, we'll talk about the, the roster um, rules that will probably be in place. But, yeah, what teams are basically kind of playing catch up to when you have a conference call with the league um, and if it's a GM committee or the board of governors, um, the, the league is, you know, is bringing all this to your attention. And this hasn't been shared um, from my knowledge, you know, with, uh, with the, the players association, the, the finer points have, but not this, you know, hundred page plus uh, document. Let me be blunt from the time that the, Players will go into the bubble, which is July 7th is the, is the date that they are working with where they would arrive in Orlando. Until families would be allowed and or the teams will be cut down to 16 is going to be approximately seven weeks. That is seven weeks with no wives or girlfriends. Okay. We following what I'm still talking about here? <laughs> um do the players know that? Do they do they have an understanding of that? Is that part of what they saw? I mean, they have to know, right? Royce, do a quick survey. Do the players know that? I, yeah, I mean, let me. I'll start texting. Um, I mean, it is. It does seem extremely 
I mean, if you would if you would have told me that these sort of details were not like upfront and agreed upon, with as much conversation as you even wrote about last week, Brian, as much conversation that has gone on with the players' union and the league itself, and and I think so many people kind of thought that a lot of this was sort of like pre-negotiated. But really what they were just trying to get to the finish line was just the return, right? Like they were just like, let's just get the big picture, the macro level return in place, what that might look like. And then they'll sort out some of the stuff uh, later. I mean, it, it, it almost kind of reminds me of like a, um, a new CBA, like when you're, when you're in a lockout or something and it's like, let just get the BRI settled and then you'll start kind of piecing in some of that other stuff later. That's almost what this kind of feels like to me. Um, but it does seem a little like the things that would be really important. To, to players like in the in the tangible day-to-day life of this bubble and to like make it worth their while and, ma- and make it something that they want to to do and do well uh you would think that they would kind of pay attention to some of these like quality of life let's call it that um quality of life things that that could be important because i mean it's going to go beyond just spouses and girlfriends and everything else i mean there's there's little things out there that that i think that there's not a lot of clarity on like what players are going to be allowed to do and what they're not going to be allowed to do. When I see people give ideas about um, what's going to happen in the bubble, if the idea includes bringing extra people into the bubble, I would say the idea is probably going to be a no. Because the entire premise of this is to keep the number as small as possible. One of the reasons they're waiting until after the first round of the playoffs to bring families in is because I think you're going to be allowed three people uh, that will grow later on is because they're going to say, be saying goodbye to six teams or to, um, yeah, to six teams. So there'll be less, there'll be sort of room. Well, Uh, also, also Brian, I mean, like I think just operationally for Disney, I don't know how much this has to do with it, but the parks are going to reopen. I think July 11th for magic kingdom, July 15th for Hollywood studios. So like, you're also like the property itself is going to be flooded with a lot more people, assuming people are, are going back. Right. But it's my understanding that the, um, I mean, they can separate be, all they want, but I mean, you're still yeah. going to have some, there's going to be some cross section at some point where, um, like, I'm not saying like you're going to like be passing by people in a hallway, but uh, I mean, there's just going to be more people in the, on the Disney property itself. Well, um, so yeah, about, players, like, about like rooms and I don't know, I don't know how much all that would, would factor in. Well, the, the hotels will not have any, but the hotels will be quarantined. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be multiple hotels. I don't know if the players will all be, I think the players are all going to be at one hotel, but that won't fit the entire number of people. Um, there's going to be 1600 people in the bubble, but some of those people are going to be staff members and those staff members. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen the protocol yet, but I know that when I did my story and I talked to, um, and I'll tell you what, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you don't hear me say this very often. I'm going to say, uh, the story that Tim Bontemps and I did on the bubble, which we spent a month reporting on, you've heard me talk about it a lot and I apologize. It's pretty much what the NBA has been doing right down to the fact that we guesstimated 1500 people and they're saying 1600, although we were thinking the whole 30 teams. Um, and, you can't have the maids or the bellmen or the cooks. You can't have them going home. Those people have to be in the bubble too. 
Um, and that's why Ramona reported, and I don't know if this will be true. We'll have to wait till the protocol. Ramona Shelburne reported that the players may not be having their rooms cleaned. Um, and the reason that that may be true when I worked with some hotels on this is because you need to reduce the number of people. So you're going to, they would clean the rooms every day, but they just can't clean all 1600 every day. And because they're trying to reduce the amount of people that they have in the bubble and maids in particular are super spreaders. If they're in eight or 10 rooms in a day, they can, if they're sick, they can spread it to many different people. So, um, that's a, you know, that's a factor. And that's why, like, I, I know some people may have reacted. They were surprised when the players would not be able to go to the parks. If you're going to the parks, you're violating the bubble. Yeah. Makes no sense. Can't, um, you can't go jump on Splash Mountain. And like, and like, you know. And here's something else. Like, I, I know that this sounds funny, but like, um, this is just what I think that we're going to be hearing back from. Um, let's say that the players are staying at this hotel that I think has 1,200 rooms. Um, not everybody can use the pool at, at all times. I mean, you may have to have sign, like team signups for the pool because you have to have social distancing. You can't all be in the pool. So, you know, the, you, know you can't all be in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure they'll have great food. But here's one thing that is just a reality of our new life. Um, buffets are, are done. No more buffets. So the teams are going to have to have their food prepared individually. And that's, not, that's difficult too. Now, now I want to be clear. Like Nobody's saying that, oh, my God, this is such a, a burden. Uh, you know, They are going to Disney World where they will be playing basketball. I mean, they're not going to... Uh, Chernobyl and working in a radioactive mine, they are not uh, on as a first responder where they're going with COVID patients. I want to keep that in perspective here. I'm just saying, I think when this protocol lands in all these email inboxes and people start reading through this in the next few days, I think there's going to be some situations where like, wait a minute, what did we agree to? Yeah. Or, or how long, how long, Brian, do you think it takes still you have the first anonymous player, uh, griping a little bit about accommodation. Well, here's something also no one's talked about is what happens if there's certain players who don't want to go? Yeah. Um, you know, I did a story with Larry Nance Jr. about this. He he was it's it's moot because the Cavs did not get in, but he has a pre-existing condition. Now, that's not uh, a case for a lot of players, but that was that would have been his reasoning. But what about other players who have other reasons? Uh, like Bobby, I mean, what, what, would, what would they do in that situation? Uh, you know, that's got to be in the protocol. Yeah, I think the the big thing too is that at a minimum, the teams are going to be there for until mid August, right? And then the 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 other bulk, you know, the playoff teams are going to be there till probably early. September and then the second round will start there. So um, it's not like you're going to be there for two weeks. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the big thing. It's a, and I don't. Uh, I think there'll be such a newness when people get there. But let's face it, this is going to be. And Brian, you're right. I mean, this is not you know first responders or hospital workers. But I mean, this is going to be the most grueling three month stretch for league officials team officials, players, referees that 
um, they've ever they'll ever go through. And I, I don't, and they'll probably never have to go through something. Hopefully, never again like this. There's something else that executives and I talked about, Bobby. They wanted to know why the players didn't try to negotiate their CBA changes now when they had the hammer of maybe not going to the bubble. Um, because there's a you know there's going to be there's two deals have to be made with the players union. Deal number one is this deal, which apparently has already been made because the players have voted to let it in. Deal number two is potential changes to next season, and we really don't know what those changes are going to be, but they have until September to to decide whether they're going to change the CBA or not. Um, there was just some surprise in people I talked to, and maybe maybe you don't think the time is right now, but the players' leverage, the, the players' leverage is very limited because as we've been talking about for months, because of the pandemic, the league has the right to just stop paying them um, and to void all contracts, including the CBA. The league doesn't want to do that, but they certainly have the right to do a lot of things, which would make you think that the player's leverage is is very small, which, you know, in a vacuum it is. However, the league needs the players to participate in this, and they had to agree to come into a bubble, to play outside the parameters of their contracts. They had a hammer in their hands last Friday if they elected to use it. Um, it is not the way that the NBA and the Players Union have been doing business for the last five years. They have been very much cooperating, but they could have used it. And one wonders if the NBA will be as kind when the hammer goes back into their hands by September. But I again, I just I'm uh, the Players Union signing off on it so quick, Bobby. I was just. I and, and other people are a little surprised that they didn't angle. And, th- and maybe they did, and we just don't know about it yet. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably could have taken an approach like Major League Baseball, right? The Players Association there and, and go into a long drag that process. And, and who knows whenever, you know, baseball is going to resume. I think you, I think right now time is probably not on their side. If, if they would have uh, haggled or, as you said, put the hammer down, uh, I think the hope is that <laughs> them cooperating – um, that there be that there's going that's going to earn them some currency here when we get down to the economics of the salary cap in future years and um, you know what that is going to look like that hey we played ball here um, we we agreed to a deal that not all of us kind of uh, had a hundred percent familiarity of what it was going to be and uh, they're right I mean even to the to the point of um, you know the the roster uh, mechanics here that could be shaping up, you know, that, that's a conversation. That wasn't a conversation that the, the union in the, in the NBA had. That's a conversation that the NBA and the general manager has, are having. Um, and that is certainly the, the PA who's going to have to anything, but they're going to have to approve something that's basically has already been finalized within, within the NBA here. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So, you know, there are teams out there that make roster moves up until the final day of the season. Um, uh, last year, on the last day of the season, the Miami Heat signed Kendrick Nunn. Pretty good signing. Yeah, not a bad um, move. Uh, you know, there have been teams who've signed role players, especially teams that are deep into the tax, who've signed role players for the playoff runs on the last day of the season. And there's teams out there that have open roster spots. I think the Clippers have an open roster spot. Um 
uh, even though Joe Kim Noah is on the longest 10 day contract in league history right now. Him, him and Anthony Tolliver too. That's right. Um, so Bobby, you've been working very hard on this and have written about this. Um, what, uh, do you believe or, or what have they decided on, um, on what teams are going to be able to do with their rosters? Yeah, I mean it's it's complex. I mean the the GM call on Friday was three hours, and and then they had a, another call after that. And uh, we actually have a story going out on Monday, basically breaking this all down and taking all twenty two rosters and seeing how it impacts. I think I think the first thing is that the league is going to um, have a what they call a transaction window from I believe July uh, June twenty second up until July first, where you are going to be allowed to. Wave a player, sign a player, um, convert a player that's on a two-way contract. So for Royce in, in Oklahoma City, you know, mm-hmm. um, Lou Dort, who had, I think, started, what, 21 games down mm-hmm. there. Now they have the opportunity up into the first to, um, to, uh, to sign a, uh, to sign a player and they have a roster spot. That's going to be the big thing. The interesting thing is, is that when you talk to teams is that, the uh, the as I call them the not so grade eight right the teams that are not going to be in Orlando they're basically saying well wait what about us right like are we part of that uh, transaction window because as you guys remember last year Miami who was not a playoff team was able to waive Rodney Magruder Clippers claimed them and then he was um, and then they wanted the luxury tax so if you're Minnesota. You're saying, well, oh, yeah. can we partake in this? And can we I heard that Minnesota was one of the teams who was very interested in whether this uh, whether this was going to be something they could do. Yeah, and and I think when you the more you learn is that the league is basically saying, well, we'll we'll get to you after we you know get through these these 22 teams. So I think that's that's one mechanic there as far as um, it's comparable to the last week of the season where you can sign, wave, and convert two ways. The other thing that's pretty interesting is that teams will have the ability to sign a replacement player for players that are deemed out for the season or who are injured. So if you're in, uh, if you're Brooklyn, you'll be able to um, sign up to two players that would replace Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. However, there's a catch to it. You know, those players um, had to have been either on a G league roster um, during the season, um, or you know, part part of training camp in, in wave, they cannot be a player that um, is, was overseas playing internationally. It can't be a player that basically had not signed at all, like Jamal Crawford. Um, so you'll be able to sign up to two players. But here's here's the catch, guys, and it goes back to Brian saying how restricted things are as far as how many players. Uh, well, first, Durant or and Irving would be deemed ineligible for the whole player. The second thing is they wouldn't be allowed to come to Orlando. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I saw Kyrie. So I saw Kyrie. Um, there was a report he was on the on the players' union call, and he said he might come just to be with the team. And I'm like, um, it's not how it works, Kyrie. Uh, the idea is that if you're not playing, you're not in there, buddy. I'm sorry, you have to watch on TV. Yeah, so if you're, you know, even like a guy like Jeremy Lamb who tore his ACL in, in uh, mid March, I think he, in the, if the Pacers elect to go, that you know Lamb is at home doing his his rehab. You know, he's not going to be allowed to be there. Um, the, the one of the other things is, and this is kind of like the doomsday scenarios, is that if the coronavirus ravages a team's um, roster, that teams would be allowed to sign a player um, as a as they call it a substitute player. Um, and there's an unlimited amount of, of those, but, but here's the other thing guys is that 
if you sign a substitute player, that player has to be quarantined. Right. I was about <laughs> so, to ask that, Bobby. How do you so just like ship that guy in and say, all right, you're up? <laughs> yeah. So you're flying him in. You're basically going to have to quarantine for him from seven to uh, at, at max 14 days. And by the time you, you use him, <laughs> you might be eliminated. You might right. be eliminated. And, and this, for this applies for even your two way players, your, right? Yeah. Your two way, your, as of right now, your two way players aren't allowed to come with you to. Like, this, um, this is just what I'm, again, I know I'm maybe beating a dead horse here, but like some of these guys are going to want their personal masseuse or their personal chef right. or something in there. You can't even get your two way players in there, guys. You well, know, I mean, think you about know, that, Brian, like there's so many guys that have personal security. You know, like, uh, you know, Chris Paul is one of those guys. Uh, he has a personal security guard. Like, and that's kind of a big deal for a lot of these guys. They have their guy. Like, are they going to be allowed to come? Don't think so. I think each team gets 35 guys. I guess if if a team deems that as one of the 35 guys, I mean, I'm yeah. sure that the teams will bring a security guy um, yeah. or two. So that's going to have to be it. Um you know, there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of teams whose security guys are extraordinarily important to their operation. Mm-hmm. Well, how about um, this, Brian? I mean, teams in the last four or five years have spent millions on sports science, right? Right. Like now, we're, like this becomes moot now, unless teams are going to have to choose between a fourth assistant coach and you know a, a sports science guy in Orlando. I mean, Tim and I went through this. We talked to, I think, I think I talked to seven or eight head coaches, and he talked to a couple. Brian, your your guys are going to have to stay home. Your 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 analytics guys are going to have to stay home. Well, how much how much flexibility? How much flexibility is there? That's that's one thing I was talking with somebody about today. Is that there? From the way I understand it, there will be some flexibility about who you get to choose at a certain number. Right. Like it's not like these are the 35 that you're bringing period the end. I don't know what number that is. Maybe, you know, but where you can make some selections on on maybe who you want to bring. I'll be interested to read the protocol. (laughs) Find (laughs) out. Because I kind of wonder, like, how teams might approach that strategically, you know, even like, okay, we're going to bring two scouts to send to some of these other. I, I don't know how, how they might approach that. Well, some of this. that's one thing that I heard from a team that is not in the 22. They're like, um, can we send a personnel scout in there? Because that's a disadvantage because yeah. other guys can scout the personnel in person. And I'm like, no. I mean, I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, I'll wait I, can for the perspective. I mean, I can see that perspective because, you know, the Atlanta Hawks would have a scout at a at a game, you know, in, in mid-April, even if they weren't playing for anything, they would have a scout on the road uh, watching players play for for future reference. Taking Let me note. tell you something. If you hang out in the hotel of this situation, you might be able to collect a lot of intel. <laughs> yeah. If I may say it, so. It, it, there might be a lot of tampering. Too. I was going to say, this is the world's greatest <laughs> tampering bubble right here is what this is. You got that right. Well, okay. All so, the players might be playing with each other. There may be one team by the end well, of this. Be careful how you say that because, like I said, seven weeks. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's going to go shooting way up is video game play. Mm-hmm. These, there's going to be some serious video gameplay. The other thing is, um, I think what will happen is if people are talking about how there won't be any fans there. I think there will be fans. It'll be the other players. Yeah. I think the players, awesome. when they have an off night, that's good. That's a good. That's a good thought, right? What else are you going to do when it's sit in a hotel? Yeah, like <laughs> like uh, uh, if if the Lakers are off the night of the first Thunder game or the Thunder playoff game, I could see LeBron coming over and cheering for Chris Paul uh, or, you know, maybe not cheering, but, you know, taking the game in, you know, and uh, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what they're going to do. 
Um, I mean, I do think there's going to be some flexibility to, to you know, f- they're going to give them op- options for food and stuff. But, I mean, they're not going to be able to go to a restaurant or to a club that's outside their bubble. You know who, who the most important person might be? The advanced scout, if they're allowed, if you if you can bring one, because – as you guys know, like advanced scouting is like become ex- extinct, mm-hmm. right? Like they basically shove you in the corner in, in the arena, and you can't hear or see anything. But if you're if you're going to be in an arena, even though you're probably not as close, you're not at the scores table, but you're going to be able to hear everything, right? Yeah. You're going to be able to hear every call that every coach is going is going to put out there. Yeah, uh, and that that's another but, 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 but another thought. Afford, like do, do teams have to get afford- creative with that. Can you afford in your thirty-five to have I know, your advance? There, there you go. Well, because that's what I'm saying you get strategic with it. You got to make your choices. I, I, yeah, I, don't I mean, know what... yeah. Well, where it's like they're not saying you have to have three trainers and two no, therapists. No, I know. Like, like, you know, they're they're going to give you your thirty-five. But you know, the question is when you start counting. You know, one of the things that when I've talked to teams, they're really worried about the player health. Um, they're worried about their guys having off for so long and then moving into a heavy volume of games. You know, it's going to be, you know, eight games. Uh, and it's probably going to be in about 15 or so days for, you know, 15, 17 days. I, I'm, I'm more thinking like, like take a team like the Clippers, like you've got an open roster spot. Like, do you spend that on it instead of adding a player do you do you use it on somebody else like another another trainer for the health and wellness of your players do you bobby i could see a meeting on that decision um (laughs) where you where you would like try to evaluate you would have your analytics team try to evaluate one additional player versus having a extra uh guy in there who does uh, sports science stuff with your with your team Mm mm-hmm it's it's going to be like Shark Tank, right? You're going to be like we'll have like Doc, like Doc Rivers, Lawrence Frank, Mike Winger, and Jerry West. Make your, gonna, why do you have, think you should you're go? Gonna have, you're going to have to pitch why you're important. <laughs> yeah, you find out who's essential and who's not. Yeah, I mean, uh, also, um, Bobby, what would you say to your team about fraternizing with the enemy in these scenarios? Uh, you know, it's one thing. You know, we. Uh, you know, there was there was a little bit of interest in the last dance where Jordan played with Danny Ainge golf before a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys are going to be all in the same building uh, during playoff series. Um, what do you think? The <laughs> what do you tell your team? Do you, do you not say anything? Do you just trust their judgment? You know, I mean, during the regular season games, it's not a big deal. But what about during the playoffs? I mean, this has never happened before. Well, I think if you're Brooklyn, you probably tell Durant and Kyrie you have one job, right? Recruit Bradley Beal. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's what you do. But I don't think I don't think you can control. Um, I mean, the hotel is big, guys, but it's not that big. I mean, it's these guys are going to be together, um, as as we've said. I mean, at a minimum, they're going to be there for seven weeks. So, um, but I think it will be interesting once games are starting to get when they start playing games in. So at the end of July, if there's an incident on the court, right, and if there's bad blood, and as you guys know, playoff series are good point. Bobby. I mean, that's a that's a different animal in itself, as far as you know um, how hostile that 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 could become. Yeah, that's it. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, if you're you know if you're in an elevator with somebody that well, so, <laughs> somebody brought up to with me, the night before, you know, the, the Heat and Pacers have 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 beef. 
And there was a promise like, hey, Jimmy, we'll Bus- Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like there was like, wait till I see you again. Um, <laughs> how is that going to, you know, how's that going to get hand? I mean, is that going to just be a truce? What's it, what's going to go on with that? Um, so I, I don't know the answer to these questions. I mean, this is going to be, I mean, I was talking to one guy yesterday and he's like, there are so many layers to this. Like, this is wild. What, 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 what the, the, the thing here and like, there, there's going to be potentially some amazing stories that come out of this. I don't know if they're ever going to get told because the media presence at this thing is going to be very small, I believe, and very controlled just for viral reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, the players are going to have to tell their story themselves. Um, I, there has been talk of a documentary being made about this, but I don't know how realistic that is. Again, in other words, uh, like sort of NBA entertainment doing it, um, where, you know, it's sort of sanctioned and the people are in there. Uh, I don't know if that can happen if you're trying to limit access. That said, this is something historic and there is value in documenting it. And not only that, if you're the league, like this is one thing that, that nobody is just, nobody's talking about. And, and, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, this entire endeavor is all expense, all expense. Mm -hmm. This whole thing is one giant money loser. Um, These are all games that were already contracted to, to play. And you're not getting any new revenue for them. The games are on TV that are already part of TV, existing TV deals. All of these games that you thought you were going to be getting millions of dollars in fan revenue for, you'll be getting nothing. And you will have the expense, whatever the deal ends up being with Disney World, of housing all of those people. And, you know, putting all of this on. Like, this is one giant money loser. So I could understand the league if they're like, look, if we can we can make a documentary that we can sell later on to somebody for a few million dollars may help cover this, uh, this event. So I can kind of see how there might be a documentary, but I would be interested to see that. Um, yeah. to just, you know, I, I'd be interested if, uh, if Spike Lee would Spike Lee be willing to come in and direct a documentary on, on the bubble. Um, he's not working on the other jobs right now. Every other production is shut down. You know, Brian, that, that's one of the things that I heard from a lot of people over the last – and I'm sure you've heard the same thing – is that there, there was sort of just this romantic element to like bringing the NBA back. And I think that um, that, that was kind of like a lot of the buy-in was understanding like this isn't, this isn't a, a prudent business decision necessarily and it's honestly going to be a hard thing. And I think both the players and the league itself – that, that's kind of where everybody kind of got on the same page and there was a real connection there that it was it was something that was important to do and there was sort of this emotional push to just like go for it and and kind of uh, try to make the best of it. So, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me though. You talk about trying to generate new revenues. Like you might see every team out there wearing like full Chevrolet uniforms or something You're by the kidding. end of this. Well, I, uh, and by the way, let me be clear about something. I don't know whether there's actually going to be a documentary. I just know that people were pitching the NBA on, hey, let me make a documentary or let's make a documentary, just for a point of clarity on that. 
Um, but I think that might be in the future anyway, Bobby. I think the league to recover finances. I think the uh, the jersey patches are up anyway. The two by two. They're about to be twelve by twelve. Yeah, they're 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 getting they're going to be getting bigger. I would I would assume. But um, well, and here and here's the other thing too, Brian, regarding finances. That normally during the playoffs, that the league is on the hook for half of the traveling party. So if you're the Nets, they would be responsible for. for hotels and you know meals and per diem and all that well that's the other thing too can you imagine what the per diem is going to be yeah there holy cow you're going to just put that money in a shoebox and, and save it for a rainy day i mean that might be the the biggest per diem uh as far as per day and if, if teams are going to do that but uh but yeah the league would, would usually be responsible but half what are the they going to spend it on Bobby? i, I mean they, they, i mean they, like they're like they're they're not going to like they're going to eat all their their meals at the hotel yeah. Well, you're right, and and that that used to drive when I was with the Nets. That used to drive our our finance department crazy because we players would get per diem for training camp, and but we would feed them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> well, real quick on that, per diem is a, is a hundred thirty, hundred forty two dollars a day or something yeah, like that. It's like one hundred thirty four, hundred thirty five dollars okay. cash, right? Do they still envelope. give it? They still do that. They still give them cash in the envelope. They did when I was there. It's one of the one of the great feelings when you get in. For guys who make, it's amazing, Brian Rice. For guys who make eight million dollars, the first thing they want to know is where's my per diem, and mm-hmm. it could be like six hundred dollars in cash, <laughs> and that's it. But if they want it, that's what they're that's what they're looking for. So I'm gonna tell a story real quick here. I may not have all of the details 100 percent right um, because it's 15 years ago, but when I was covering the Cavs. Luke Jackson, who was their first-round draft pick, like 2004, um, out of Oregon. It was early in the season, November or December. Cavs started a West Coast trip, uh, you know, one of these five-game trips or whatever, and over like 10 days. So they would – back then – I don't know if they all still get cash, Bobby. So I think some of them, they just put it in their check. But, okay, back then they definitely still got cash. And they used to hand it out at the plane. Right. So like when the players would, you know, they were getting on a flight and they would hand them an envelope when they got on the plane. So let's say back then for DM was probably closer to a hundred, 110 bucks a day and it was 10 day trip. So it was a thousand dollars in cash, uh, that they handed everybody as they walked on the plane. So what do you think happened when you boarded a plane to the West coast and everybody, somebody's and they, got some cards to, to play. That's with. right. So. Uh, Luke Jackson. This is a story that I, that I remember being told. I apologize if I've got this wrong. Maybe I shouldn't say the name of the player. Maybe I should just have these guys edit it out and just say a young player on the Cavaliers. <laughs> Having to be a first-round draft pick yeah. out of Oregon. <laughs> okay. Um, I remember the first game of the trip, I think, was in Seattle, but if I may be wrong. Whatever it was, it was a long flight. He did very well in cards on the plane. And won quite a bit of money, thousands of dollars. And when he got to the first stop, he went out and used that money to buy a watch. I don't know if it was a Rolex or whatever. It was a multi-thousand dollar watch. And um, wore it around very proudly. <laughs> and they, he, it was requested that he come back into the game later in the trip, essentially to lose the money back, Right. Um, but he refused to do it and instead just showed off his watch and the veterans were not happy. I don't know how it ever got solved, but he definitely used to display that watch around in the locker room. 
Um, but yes, so, so, so Bobby, do you think they hand them seven weeks of per diem up uh, front in cash? <laughs> uh, or, in, you know, or do, or do you know, what's the Royce? How about this? What, ready for some synergy? What do they call the, uh, the, 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 the wristband, the bracelet? Magic band. The magic band. Mm-hmm. Do they give it to him on a magic band, Bobby? Right. Will this be in the protocol? Please report. You just, you just beep it. Just scan it right there. <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you what. If they're going to per diem, you're right, Brian. This it's going to have to go into the check because I don't I don't see teams bringing three hundred thousand dollars worth of per diem to them to uh, to to Orlando because it would if you if you make it to October, I think it's going to be like what like ten thousand dollars per guy. I yeah, mean, I mean, goodness uh, gracious. But I don't I don't know what that agreement's going to be because again, they're I suppose they will be able to go to restaurants, but. The restaurants are all going to be at the hotel. Like it's all, it's sort of like going to like be all inclusive. Yeah. You know, you, it, you know, your fee covers your meal. You know, I guess order the steak. I don't know. Um, I don't know how it's going to work out, but uh, I'll bet. Speaking of besides video game playing, I'll bet there's going to be some freaking gambling going on. Yeah. In this hotel, who knows what's going to be going on with that stuff? I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine some of the stuff that's going to? I mean. Well, that's what it's you talk about wild. the scuffles on the court. Like there could be some some heat from a uh, from a late night card game too that carries over, you know. And no secure. Well, there's <laughs> going to be team security guys, but no, probably individual security guys. Yeah. Um, when this protocol comes out, there is going to be people are going to be freaking out when they read some of these rules, and then we're actually going to get there. And I say we. I'm not going. Um, when they get there. Uh, <laughs> and the rules actually have to go into play. I mean, what's the chance that you know they have all these rules and they get thrown out in the fifth day in? Yeah, um, <laughs> everybody just kind of rebels against it at some point. You know, that's something yeah. I, I wonder about, Brian. Though, like uh, in all reality, you talk about you go seven weeks before you even get you know family members to be able to join you. If you're a team that's going into the second round, the third round, I do wonder how much bubble fatigue is going to play a factor in this and. You know, I, I was telling somebody, you know, I'm, I'm making a, a, a NBA comparison to my real life uh, sporting uh, career, which I, I'm, that's a terrible thing to do. But like, I remember when I played baseball as a kid, and you'd go late into the summer, you'd have like one of those tournaments, and if you like won your game Saturday morning, then you'd have to play two more, and it was always kind of like, man, I don't, uh, if we lose, this is gonna be all right. I'm all, I'm all right with well, losing. Well, I wonder why you didn't make Saturday. it, Royce. It's a killer <laughs> instinct that you've got there. I wonder if there's gonna be some guys out there that are like. I'm sure they're playing to win, but you know yes. there may be that that thought yes. in the back of your head where well, you're wondering, you know, this wouldn't this be so happens bad to get every, out of this bubble. It happens every year at summer league. Not that I'm comparing this to summer league, but we've all been there for the you know the first few days of summer. Like everybody's happy, mm-hmm. you get to day like seven eight. <laughs> it's like, all right, <laughs> when are we going to the airport? Right, and I, I think that's that's an issue. If you're but, if you're tired of it in week three and you're thinking. If we go to the Western Conference Finals, like, oh my well, gosh. I think at that level, I think the competitive juices. Yeah. I, but I, but I do I, I think, think so. in Week Five, and you've got four regular season games left. You're down three zero in a series, and <laughs> you're like, oh man. Well, not even that. I'm talking about the these these regular season oh, games. Right, right, right. You've got three games left, and you're, you know, you're you're in eleventh place. it's gonna be like it's gonna be like the old orlando summer league i remember one like on that friday like i think we had like four guys left (laughs) to play we had to start borrowing guys from different teams 
Yeah, I remember during that, that I think it was the first Orlando Summer League when the Dwight Howard talks were going on. Bobby and, um, yeah. uh, you know, Dwight had was trying to get to Brooklyn. And uh, <laughs> a couple of the guys who were involved in the trade talks were on your Summer League team. Yeah. And I would yeah. report to every single game just to see who was on the court to make sure the trade wasn't about <laughs> to go down. Um, I remember, you know, during our lives in uh, in the media, we have we have certain points where we like I can't believe this is what I'm doing. But there were there were days when I got up to hustle to make sure that Marshawn Brooks was on the court for the Brooklyn <laughs> Next summer t- summer league team in Orlando. I I spent time in my life seeing if Marshawn Brooks showed up at for a 9 a.m. game or whatever. Are, are um, you sure that wasn't Dylan Brooks. I was going to make the same joke. <laughs> Dylan Brooks was probably a uh, a preteen when that was happening, um, but no. In all seriousness, I mean, we're having a little bit of fun talking about this, but like the teams probably should have some sort of seminar or session with the players about what sort of mental challenge that this is going to be. Hundred percent. Well, then here's the other thing: is is can your team psychologist be one of your thirty five? All right. How important I is that think that's going to be? His, that's a great question. I think that's one of those things. Can you do one of those on Zoom? But uh, you may have to have them standing by. Um, I think the team psychologists are probably coming up with their own protocol right now. Um, and by the way, like, what are they drawing on? Like, uh, there is no research history. And like, I, like, what is it? I mean, you get to bring in someone to speak about having being on a submarine. You know, like I mean, who? What's your, what's your, uh, your expert on this sucker? Right. Um, you know, who's going to tell the story? Um, I don't know, but you know, this is one of the things that people who run organizations are thinking about right now when they get their hands on their players, what they're going to do. And um, Bobby, it's another thing we don't know about the protocol. We don't know like when they're going to actually be able to start practicing. Like whether they could, you know, right now they can just do one-on-one socially distanced. Like at some point they're going to want to be able to run up and down the court before they start practice. But I don't, I don't know what that's all going to be. All that stuff's got to be in there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably, we're probably what two weeks away probably from a full team gathering here. And I think if you're the coach, you probably, you know, right. Considering you're going to spend so much time together, you're probably going to want to give these guys a little bit of more of a break than they already have. All right. Well, um, by the next time we talk to you, maybe we'll have this and God only knows what we'll know by that. I will say this. The people at the NBA have been working on this very hard for, for months now. Um, talk about a hard job. Uh, a lot of hard jobs going on right now. I recognize in life. I'm not trying to compare it, but it's a hard job. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Uh, thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Royce. Thank you to Andrew Hahn in L.A. and Troy in Connecticut. Hope you everybody has a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.